welcome to Chapter Surfing. I am your host, Lenny Burnham, and this episode we are talking about The Witcher, the book series by Andres Sapkowski, uh, specifically the first book of short stories, The Last Wish, and also season one of the Netflix show of the same name. And I'm so excited because my guest this episode is Leslie Lee from Struggle Session. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much, really, truly, for giving me an excuse to dive back <laughs> into The Witcher. My God, what a joy it has been this past week Hell yeah. uh, to read the book and the show. Because I just think so much about the games, because that's how I first encountered it. And I've replayed you know, some of the games over the past few months. But man, I got to dive into the books <laughs> more. And, I, and for some reason, I had pushed off the TV show. And that was great, too. So I'm very, very happy uh, that you asked me to do this. Nice. So did you read the, the book and watch the show for the first time recently for this? I, re- I realized about 70% of the way through, I already read most of the first oh, okay. book. So I did, but I did end up rereading it. it. It just had been a really long time ago, probably around when The Witcher 2 was out, before there was even, I think, official translations uh, when they were in print. I had done the, read the book, most of the first book. But this is my first time watching the show just because I, I didn't, I watched the first episode and I liked it, but I ne- ended up never coming back mm-hmm. to it for one reason or another and i was kind of waiting for the season two to come well because then i'll have well two seasons to get <laughs> yeah. through, uh then but i was always excited for it but i i really blown away uh going through them uh this week yeah yeah i uh hadn't watched it before you picked it uh and yeah i had been kind of interested but just never gotten around to it um and yeah i was also really into it i watched i read the book first the last wish uh and then I watched the show. And the first season, I believe, is pretty similar. It's based on the first two books of short stories, I think. Yes, yes. It's based on the first two. It's mostly, most of the stories are in The Last Witch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, the and the video games I've never played, but they take place, like, chronologically after the books and the show, right? Yes, okay. yes. They take place after the books and the show, more uh, in the chronology, yes. Um, the, and the Witcher lore is, is very it's very hard to pin down because it's the books that are officially canon, but the ga- since the games take place after them, most people find them to be like, take them fairly seriously too. And the quality of the games is so high that like most people, you know, see them as two of a kind and as opposed to like an adaptation of the source uh itself and when you say quality like stories like the the like character and plot yeah the character the plot the themes the storytelling in the games and that's why people really love the games it's not for the gameplay (laughs) it's for the storytelling and reading the book and watching the show, you see just how well the video game, the video game captured the mood, the spirit, the the uh, the storytelling style of that was in the original novels. I, I I have a new appreciation for the games now after reading the book because the way the games work is uh, mo- you are you play as Geralt, mm-hmm. and you know he's this 
guy who always wants to stay out of it but always ends up in the thick of everything no matter what and his decisions are always so pivotal and what the game does what the book does and what the show does it shows that none of those decisions there's never a right decision mm. you know there he always has to make some sort of choice and not making the choice is also a choice too and one he chooses quite often uh, because there is just no good choices in the world they inhabit and the game really gets that across and lets you play as Geralt and lets, and gives you the option of you know both these bad cases and you see the consequences some expected expected some very unexpected and that's the storytelling that made the game become such a phenomenon it wasn't you know the gameplay it was the storytelling and it comes from the book nice yeah I'll definitely have to play that um one of the things that really leapt out at me with Witcher season one is I feel like it's a really interesting show um in terms of talking about like how tv has changed and like what a tv show can be because in some ways it really uh falls into this very like recent very netflixy thing of like the first season is the pilot because it's like these different characters who don't even come close to converging until the very end and that's sort of when you understand what you just watched and then at the same time i also feel like it um is one of the few netflix shows where the episodes really feel like episodes and you can be like this is the one with the gin. This is the one with the striga, and like they really stand out like that. Yeah. So, Witcher benefit. I think Witcher is just a good property mm-hmm. to exist right now in the modern TV world and still be good, yeah. and still be halfway decent. Because first of all, it's based. Uh, we uh, we should say like with the book, it's it's basically a collection of short stories, mm-hmm. and they take place you know sometimes years, decades apart. So every story is like its own individual capsule, but it is part of this massive, larger narrative that you only see bits and pieces of like, you know, the TV shows of today. But there still are these individual episodes uh, within it, like, like, you know, the X-Files, you know, basic idea where you have the lore and you have the one and done episodes. Now, I, I, I do knock the show a little bit because they do this thing that all the shows do where they mix up the timelines Mm -hmm. instead of telling the story straight, which is very bad for a show that is already confusing because there's so much lore and that's just the style of the Witcher and it's taking place over 50 years and you're seeing characters who aren't, some are aren't aging some are supposed to age but you only know because because someone cracks a joke (laughs) that they look older so it it, it, i think that was a bad call but it was like you know if we actually told this chronologically we wouldn't see Geralt until episode two (laughs) we you know like that sort of concern and they just got scared of it when it finally comes together it's like ah some really good aha moments but man i feel sorry for anybody was like looking at their phone and trying yeah. <laughs> to follow along especially the first episode because that was not happening yeah i almost like i feel like it was surprising that they wouldn't just not have princess siri in there until she meets Geralt. um that seems like sort of an obvious story to just like not get into all of her backstory because there is this especially like my coming into it not knowing the games and not really knowing that she's important, there was sort of this weird feeling of, like, why are they showing me this, you know? Ah, okay. See, I see. I know everything about <laughs> Siri, so I it, that didn't even cross my, 
mind like of course she's the most important person who has ever existed <laughs> on the, in, in in all of reality i already know that going in but I, yeah i would wonder like what would you think about and uh for example the yennefer mm-hmm. plot line which takes place takes up the bulk of some of the early episodes not in the games not in the books we don't know we just we know this aspect of her bad story but we don't actually watch it ever in real time and i thought and i liked it when i was watching it but when it got to the end it was very clear that this was just like a prequel mm-hmm. that they had made for yennefer that really had no connection to the rest of her character you know everything about Jennifer the first time you meet her you see how confident she is how cocky she is how ambitious she is she's a very easy character to get you don't need to see her backstory in real time and that was very clear when it finally called up she's had her transformation and we meet up with her after a few decades of her serving in the court and she's bored and is attacked uh, and her her charge is attacked by the magician we could have pecked up her story right there and it wouldn't change anything and that's not knocking the storytelling earlier but that storytelling ultimately didn't tell me anything about Jennifer that i didn't uh you know that i actually needed to know and that's and that's like the older stuff in the show so that's like i feel like that's part of the reason why they couldn't tell it linearly because they needed they had like an hour of this jennifer backstory that ultimately you just don't need with her because she's just such a great character you kind of immediately like gravitate towards her yeah they there was this sort of feeling of like like if i had been in charge of making an adaptation of the show it would seem like so obvious to me that it's going to start off like these okay it's about these three characters walking around like obviously we're going to miss a lot of like their backstory just cuz you know it's a tv show and you can't yeah. you can't have stories that are a century before or whatever um and it felt in some ways really influenced by sort of recent movies that the sort of like now people love an origin story so this is like three origin stories just released simultaneously yeah, and, and what was strange to me is like they didn't really do Geralt's origin story. Like I, I could see a first, the first episode of this show being like a movie where you see little kid Geralt, oh, yeah. you see little kid uh, uh, Yennefer growing up in these parallel stories, and then it's, it's like a ninety minute, and they're not adults until like two thirds of the way through, and it, and that could show you like from the bottom up, kind of the world building building aspect of it like because they both grew up lower class so you see these different strata of society i guess that is more traditional storytelling and that's very not the witcher what i'm proposing but i still think that would be a little bit i think it might have been a little bit better than the time warpiness mm-hmm. of it because it just was very confusing at times <laughs> yeah yeah there i sense sort of i think like why i don't why I really like the show, even though sort of on paper, those decisions, I'm like, why Why would you do this? Um, there's a real sense of, I think, like sincerity, like they're doing this because it felt important to them to show all, to show the uh, Syria and Yennefer backstories. Um, yeah, I feel like they really wanted to like establish Yennefer as a character. And I, I get where that comes from, but, just, but um, I was watching my partner and, 
and they know that that hey this is a show full of women with their own things yeah, going yeah. on and their own plots and it's not really male centered and i think the source material is that too like i like i felt they they just felt like there would be not enough yennefer mm. if you like they didn't trust us to like have yennefer just show up and immediately know that she's incredible which is how the games work like you don't, you don't get the backstory you know for she shows up you know how powerful and incredible she is and you hear about you know her dark backstory a little bit later and i feel like they're trying to make it a little bit more balanced but more time more screen time isn't necessarily like better character yeah that's that's true that's a good point yeah i think um sort of an interesting point i saw when i was uh watching I was watching like YouTube recaps of season one this morning. Um, and there was someone who's, I think like really nailed it. He was like, uh, you know, they're not doing this timeline to confuse you. They're doing you doing it to like highlight all these thematic similarities. And I felt like that really articulated sort of like why I was okay with oh, it. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. I think there are so many shows sort of post lost and then post rest world it got even worse there where it's like they are trying to get you to just like oh yes go yeah. over and over it and look absolutely for little yeah. absolutely this was not trying to confuse you it just did and <laughs> i actually felt like if they had their thrillers uh they probably would like do it chronologically it did, this was not there was no mystery boxing mm -hmm. of anything it, and it felt like like the storytelling in the witcher like the characters don't always meet up uh they meet up at these random moments and take uh and in the first book gerald and yennefer don't meet up until the second to last story so i feel like a lot of the net the modern shows like hide that stuff like you said the first season is the first pilot but i feel like that is more natural to the type of story witcher is where it's just like this adventurer who's like basically like a conan the barbarian going to town to town but he knows basically everybody important in the world and meets some but there's the forrest gump element too yeah. of it where he's at all these incredible historical moments uh for his world even though he's not never really the center of it he's just the guy who's kind of there and survives mm -hmm. yeah and i think that is like a really good way to approach fantasy like we were t sort of talking about this um last time in the game of thrones episode how uh, you know, people got really obsessed with, like, how is the story going to end? And you kind of get the feeling like, you know, George R.R. R. Martin just wanted to, like, talk about a bunch of people and just be like, hey, there's this world and here's this all this stuff going on in this world. And it's kind of, like, backed into this corner of, like, oh, now I have to end this, like, it's one story, you know? Yeah, and that's something that the games, I, I know at least, address because they do try to make what what you would think of as an end to this big story that you're seeing with siri which uh not this isn't going to be a huge spoiler i think most people know that the white uh, white light that's basically a metaphor for like this cl massive climatic like climate change like uh -huh. disaster that we're going to need siri's help with and there they do you know deal with that story in in the games but it there's but there's no definitive like the end like the lives of the people goes on, uh, go on. Some for good, some for ill. The the people you met, you find out what all these things that happened to them. But it's not the end of that world. It's not even where you have the Lord of the Rings thing, where you say, "Oh, eventually all the people from Middle Earth went away, and now we have 
you know, Europe or whatever, which, which you, I think, which, which is, th- is it Lord of the Rings that ends like that? Or, I, I know it's one, I know it's one of those fantasy stories where it's like, oh, and then all the magic went away <laughs> and now we have this. There's not that. It just keeps going. I, and most, and if you don't, uh, maybe the show will play with this a, uh, a little bit, even though it's, you know, this medieval, you know, uh, age in the Witcher uh siri as you you see how people can transport through different worlds and different realms there's some realms that are like futuristic oh cool that they can travel into so this story takes place in kind of all places and at all uh times um so having played the video games and then uh reading it and then uh watching it um uh character wise what were sort of changes that stood out to you either for better or for worse uh between those three different things i think i think one uh, look this this may seem a little bit mean it may (laughs) seem a little bit unfair all right but henry cavill is is a video game character (laughs) right so casting him as Geralt, knocking it out of the park even though Geralt's supposed to be thin whatever whatever henry cavill movie star good looks you you see that guy you know that is the guy one in a million guy right (laughs) the other characters some of the other characters are also supposed to be that and i feel like the cast casting of it doesn't quite get that across sometimes i feel like is that the cast need a little bit more star power Mm. i think i think it you you have this Henry Cavill. He really stands out as this mega star. And then you have a wonderful cast of characters around him and some very good actors. But I think you need just a, a little bit more punch up because the video game, the image that I have in the books and the image that I have from the game is like the super high level, high quality, highest fantasy you can see. But I feel like this, this just the cast, even though they're great actors, it, I just feel like it needed a little bit more star power. You need, I just wanted to cast, like I wanted one or two more two more people who were it, who've been in movies you know maybe a Charlize could have been one of the queens something like that I just wanted a little bit more pop with the casting yeah I 100% see that um were there any are there any characters that you don't like uh in the in the series you know the most of the characters that you dislike they're they're good antagonists mm-hmm. there's no there's no character that I dislike as as in like I don't want them to be on the show. This is one of the str- the strengths of the Witcher series. Everybody, almost every character is well rounded, has multiple sides, and if they're a really huge asshole, at least you get to watch Geralt chop their head <laughs> yeah. off. It's very few. Ca- there's I mean I really do like just reading the story, watching, watch playing the games, uh, watching the TV show. They they don't miss like the Witcher. Just like there's very few things that I can knock anything witcher related for uh, i don't know about the older tv show uh i think it's called the hexer uh, oh, which was made a, which a, was a lower budget of uh, adaptation mm-hmm. i think that was before the video game oh wow but yeah and so like i guess i think you're trying to ask me compare how does does this show compare to the books compared to the games it's hard to separate because even like henry cavill's performance where he's putting on that voice it's so much like Geralt, like and the storytelling in the books is so much like the storytelling in the games is so much like the storytelling in the show after spending like the past week watching all this i'm having trouble separating all of them because they're so 
con- thematically consistent, consistent in quality. The only thing I, I could knock it for is just that I, I want a, f- a little bit more star power in the show, I think. But everything else is, is just so consistent. Like, I really, just looking at, like, the set design, mm-hmm. right, of the TV show, which I think is one of, is so skimped upon in a lot of TV shows. Everything looks lush, looks real, which the games look, which the book get across like it it's a fancy world but it's a lived in world there are cupboards full of books and there's dust and there's bones and everywhere and there's dead animals on the side of the road and you pick up all of that in the tv show which i think a lesser tv show would just skip on i think game of thrones often doesn't seem as realistic and full of a world as the witcher tv show does which i, I was really surprised by because when the Witcher was announced it was just going to be oh this is just going to be netflix's <laughs> Uh, Game of Thrones and the fight scenes aren't going to be that good and it's not going to look that cool but I actually thought it like re- look ended up looking really really good but one thing I will say Danny lying in the TV show is actually a lot more likable than in the video games oh, it takes a while to fall in love with Danny lying mm-hmm. in the video game because he's so annoying uh, but what I didn't like that they did uh, Jaskier is what they call him on the TV show in the video games he's called Dandelion oh, okay. I wish they had kept I wish they had kept that name because after you're seeing like bodies hanging in the road and all this stuff, you meet a dude named Dandelion <laughs> and he's your best friend. And just that contrast is so fun. Jaskier, I guess, is is the name of a flower, but it just doesn't get that that laugh across. Yeah. I, think. I think isn't it? It's Dandelion in the books too, right? Because I feel like when I was watching the show, I wasn't yes. sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure like who that character was. And now that you're saying Dandelion, I'm like, oh, okay, I remember that. Yeah, but it's not a translation. It's a transliteration, so it's not technically dandelion. But they oh, okay. changed it to dandelion in the English translation because it got the idea across mm-hmm. a little better. Okay. Yeah, I really liked uh, dandelion in the book. And I feel like Jaskier in the show, to me, is like... I feel like the show has this really great, really like earnest tone to it that you don't get a lot um, from TV. And I felt like... Jaskier was like the one character who started to have like more of a sort of like marvelly feel to his dialogue where it's like you're like overwritten a little bit and everyone else is just like grunting. I guess they wanted to have like at least one person in contrast. Yeah, I can see that, but he 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 didn't bother me. I actually found him a little bit more bothersome in the games okay. for some reason. But just it just takes a while to get used to him. Um but I actually really liked his relationship with Geralt. It seems like they were real bros, yeah. ultimately. Like I, that really came across. It reminded me of uh, a little bit of Hercules and uh, what's his? What was his name? Um, his friend's name uh, in the know. Kevin Sorbo one. His best friend. Well, he kick up. I forget his name. Or Xena and uh, Gab- yeah. Gabrielle. Like they, like nice adventures. Only problem was Dandelion canonically cannot fight, so all he <laughs> can do is joke and get into scrapes and pratfalls. So I think maybe that's why he might be a little bit too marvelly because there's there's no edge to Dandelion. The cool thing about Dandelion is that he's actually a good musician. That's the one thing that he has going for him. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's a real bop he makes. And I did, yeah, I did love there just being a character who meets Geralt and is immediately like, oh, I want to follow you around and write songs about you because that's also how I feel about Geralt. <laughs> it's real. It's really. It's a good relationship, and you um you don't always, 
in the games you don't see the start of this relationship so it's nice to see like how they first meet and how they get together how they like because this world that Geralt lives in is so dangerous right that's the thing that really strikes you about especially when reading the books it's like every person you meet is probably trying to kill rape or enslave you in that order you know like everything is so dangerous there's no safety there's no protection especially if you're poor especially if you're not powerful especially if you don't have a crew of you know cutthroats with you and the Geralt's real superpower is his ability to go around and connect with people and connect people to each other in ways that aren't always fraught with danger and murder and all the awfulness of life and i i really think the show uh, gets uh, gets that across but the book especially like just shows how hard the world is and how special it is when you actually can uh, make a friend mm-hmm. yeah and i felt like they really sort of stay true to that being sort of a difficult and reluctant thing whereas like i feel like so often with tv you get that character who's like oh, I can't connect to other people except for, like, all the time, always, as we've seen, and it's sort of, like, just immediately betrayed. And with this, I do... There's, like, such a strong sense of Geralt sort of, like, wandering around, grunting, and really, uh, like, stumbling around in his relationships with people. Yeah, Geralt is not a perfect guy who's just living... whose the world is all fucked up. He's fucked up, too. He makes mistakes he does things that are impulsive and silly like in the first episode of the show he gets his throat ripped out by a 13 year old girl (laughs) like and it's just like in the book and 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 really gets to the basic premise of it of the show i mean we we the witcher is so brilliant because this idea is so old but still is so fascinating when you dive into it the first thing we see Geralt do is murder Snow White and the seven <laughs> dwarves. It's the first thing he does. He's supposed to be this big, badass mutant, you know, almost like a guts-like character from Berserk, you know, carrying around this, these big swords on his back. No one else carries a sword on his back. He only Geralt does, and he's got two of them: one for humans, one for monsters. And the first thing he does is murder like a Snow White who has been sex trafficked all her life in order to protect this piece of shit uh, wizard ultimately. And it's and he's his nickname he doesn't get you know he's not a hero for it. He's gets the nickname the butcher of Blaviken. And and immediately we're just told we just find out that this fantasy world that he's created is not the world of our dreams. It takes it has all you know these you know these fantasy creatures has all these you know fairy tale stories and it's deeply moral like those fairy tales are but the moral questions are much more complicated and you know even though it takes place in the past it, it's about like capitalism <laughs> like this, this like it's about capitalism it's about there's class it's modern class structures are you know uh, thema- uh, thematically replicated in the story like you see it's, it's a feminist story in a lot of ways it, it, it tries to be a, in a lot of ways it, it has a very feminist perspective uh in it and it's just it's not about the past it's about our modern day and that's why it remains so fascinating because it, it just asks the question like how shitty would it be to live under 
this rule how what what if you were a wizard but you still had to but like you had to pay taxes on your magic (laughs) you know and for you know these lords and these kings and these rulers who are all like pieces of shit uh feckless inbreds who like are you know trafficking children and murdering babies and all this core intrigue and they're all pieces of shit and everybody else has to live under their thumb how shitty would that be and then you realize oh wait that is how we live how we feel like right now um like like how fucked up would it be if people were like mean to you just because of the race you were like how (laughs) like fucked up if you were an elf and people were mean to you what if you you and your elf ancestors had lived on this land for thousands of years and people came over and you helped them survive lean times and then they eradicated you and and stripped all the natural resources from the land and polluted like the the humans in the witcher pollute magic they pollute the source of magic i mean it's so on the nose with all this cynic wry cynicism and humor on top of it and some just really good like sword fights and and magical creatures like it's fun on almost every level yeah it really takes this sort of like escapist thing of like you know i wish i could just like not be part of society and like wander around uh you know just like wander aimlessly with just like me and my sword and then it's just sort of like you can't like you can't escape society the joker was right sorry (laughs) And yeah, is and I, I compare Witcher to Conan, but it is very different than Conan because Conan usually wanders in the town and is just like, man, society is fucked up, <laughs> yo, and then wanders to the next town. And Geralt's thing is more, man, society is fucked up, but we like it would be a lot better if we like helped each other, yeah. you know, and listened to each other. We could probably fix this if we like had some patience. And then he goes to the next town. <laughs> but there is that he has a bit. He has a much different general moral perspective than Conan the Barbarian has, which is just this very, and not knocking Conan, but it is, is this very anti-society, anti-modern society, modern He-Man sort of fantasy world where that is not what the Witcher is. He doesn't get anywhere without help. He constantly needs help. You can't do, even in the video games, you can't do the simplest thing without asking somebody for help. And the show gets that across in that the only way to survive is by making connections to other people by working together and it's very clear that the powerful don't care about us and but the underclasses have to look after each other yeah that's a good point because one of the things i found interesting about the first season is that the like big finale of it gerald Geralt spends like helplessly lying like half asleep the whole time yes Yes, he is helpless because I mean, and this is a recurring theme in The Witcher. Even though he does have some really great adventures and a showdown with a dragon, he just he spends a lot of time like laid up <laughs> and hearing about stuff that happened because he got his ass kicked. Because he's not he's a great warrior, but he's not the greatest warrior. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if he was the greatest warrior because there's great magicians and great and they're just some rich guys who can hire a hundred people to kill him. Like it doesn't matter. He only, even though he is like 
ends up being the fulcrum of a lot of the things that happen in the world, you never feel like he's really in control of it, and he certainly doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that makes him very identifiable as a character compared to you can imagine a, a version of Geralt that is you know has none of these vulnerabilities and is always always the center of everything it's just the world is which the world of the witcher is so big and dangerous he gets to do so much cool stuff without being the only person that matters mm -hmm. yeah and I'm glad that it sounds like uh I know there's only one season of the show, but the franchise itself has existed for a while, and I'm glad it sounds like that doesn't really get portrayed because I do think there are so many stories where that's sort of their downfall is the protagonist becoming like the center of the world and the most important person. No, the Witcher. I mean, is is he tried the real joy of the Witcher is that this world is so big and it has so much history that you just don't even need, like there's so much more interesting stuff happening besides what's happening with Geralt. I remember The Witcher 2 is actually one of the first video games I played that I remember that has like an extended um, interlude uh, where you're just completely out of Geralt's perspective entirely. And it, I was kind of surprised when I was playing it. I was like, no, this is because like there are whole kingdoms with intrigues and stuff happening. It really is a as big a, you know, property. I hate to use that <laughs> yeah, word, right. but, you know, it's a, as big as a world as Game of Thrones. You just don't jump from the characters mm -hmm. as much. You jump you jump times more. And Geralt is usually hearing about, oh, this, you know, tower fell second hand instead of you having a chapter where you see that tower fall um a lot of the first season is sort of direct stories from either the last wish um or uh sort of destiny um did any of those sort of like stand out to you watching it after reading the book uh where you really noticed um either something they did really good uh with adapting it or like a big change you know, I think the monster, uh, the, the Striga first really stood out to me. I think they did uh, the a real, I think that's the first monster, the princess. Yeah. And that was the first she, one in the book, too. Right. Yeah. The first one in the book as well. The Striga. They really knocked that out of the park. That was like a make that could have been a make or break moment for the show. Because, you know, you, we the people who want to watch The Witcher are people who do remember uh, things like the thing and people who remember what a really good uh, practical effect looked like and don't and aren't, won't just settle for you know any kind of CGI nonsense. I think they did a very good job uh, with the streak. I don't know how much it was it seemed like a lot of it was practical as CGI, but uh, either way, it was fucking dark. It was creepy. It looked real to me. I think they did a really good. The sound design was really good on it. I think they did a really excellent job with that. Yeah, I totally agree. I like, I like. I don't need TV to be super expensive. I watch a lot of like Canadian sci-fi shows and stuff, but I feel like Netflix specifically has a lot of stuff where I'm just like, this is just like not a show. Like you just didn't <laughs> put any of the like details into it. Yeah, like I, I remember just the scenes of him walking from town to town, where he where it's Henry Cavill outside somewhere in Western Europe. It looks uh, Eastern, Western, uh, or do they film in Eastern Europe? I think. I don't know. I they film it out in the middle of nowhere. Well, either way, it's worth it because 
you see these real beautiful scenes and then they add in like the cgi elf huts and it looks great it looks really really great i i really they do they do a really good job making the world you know seem real and big and huge i think they i i think on the whole like especially when you have a video game compare it to and the video game is one of the biggest and most expensive video games of all time i mean maybe two of the most probably two of the most biggest and most expensive video games uh of all time and they have done a, a, almost as good a job as the video game did of recreating uh this world there could like you know there could be more extras something you know i would like to see a big magical library or something like that you know a bigger more stuff in the cities of these you know medieval uh, towns more, more like the market stuff i could use a little bit more of that but on the whole i think it, they did a really good job yeah do the uh do the video games follow like a chronology where like the second one takes place after the first one uh yes and no <laughs> uh they don't yes the second does uh so it's the first one the second and third one they do take place in order but the story like jumps like a big there's a big jump between the two between them and you don't really have to play one to understand the other and playing all of them won't necessarily help you with the ne understand <laughs> the next one they've like the witcher it, it starts you off very much in the middle of things Geralt's already arrested Geralt's already looking for siri who's siri well did you find out in the last game kind of not really <laughs> you know it's kind of like it the world it just things keep moving instead they, the game's just folk instead of trying to tell you every how everything links together chronologically it's more about what is this world like what is happening right now mm -hmm. that we have to get through yeah somebody will tell you oh yeah king foltis uh such and such happened to king foltis but you don't necessarily you know well you don't see that you might get told that so it's not like a what uh each story has a very a specific theme they're going for it's almost like a james bond ish before the, the older james bond you know where it was like this capsule of this time in this spy's life except you know it's a couple of months in Geralt and he meets half the planet during the time of the game he meets a lot of people it's a lot of shit happening but it is just this one moment in time and then the next one is a different moment in time okay uh, and you've only read the the first uh, book of stories, The Last Wish, right? Yes, I only read the first one. Yeah, I'm curious because they, the first one works so well as a book of short stories, but then they start being novels after the first two, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, and I'm interested in how well it keeps up, but I I have a feeling it probably does. Just I mean, it just it's just such a solid base. Uh, of storytelling and every time the sto the short stories cut off i often felt like man i kind of wish that you had included like the chapter in between like what happened in between so i felt like the last was could have been a novel it's yeah it's and almost, still be good it's almost close to being a novel because this the stories do present in a bit of an order where i remember like after reading the first few i was almost like wait these feel like chapters is this a novel let me make sure i got the right book <laughs> yes yeah so it's kind of half and half i think that, you know we, we've been you know talking about what the witcher does like it, it straddles a lot of lines mm -hmm. it's like 
it's you know this high kind of high fantasy fantasy it's like a you know a, adventure you know like a conan but it also is, is like brings you down to earth constantly with you know material stuff that you have to deal with uh if you lived in this world it's episodic but it also has this big overarching story it was short stories but it was novelistic in a way it just kind of cut out the chaff that's one thing the witcher uh, one thing the witcher short at least this first novel does is like all the good shit it's all the good shit it's only what you need i remember that one chapter where the witcher is having the conversation with himself and it's so short but you learn so much about him and how broken he is where he's just having and it's only a couple of pages but it's like you could have you know done you know 30 pages on that but he didn't he really just did the, those couple of pages so i want i'm interested to get i'm I, i'm excited to get to the novel but i think how how he told those the first book it really is just like a really it's really masterful i think a way of you know kind of getting you in there getting you in this world really quickly and by the end like you've you've seen every single kingdom you've seen all these different kingdoms fought all these different monsters and you still are left wanting more because you're only seeing like these vignettes of it mm-hmm. um yeah and the the last wish it all builds to the last story uh, which is the the titular story, and I thought was the, also the best episode of the TV show. Personally, um, I'm kind of surprised almost that they didn't decide to end it there. There, just like I guess because they brought in so much of Sword of Destiny as well. Um, but I thought that was really strong because it is when Geralt and Yennefer actually meet up, and I think both in the book and the show. Uh, maybe even more in the book because you're not expecting it. It's just like he meets, I mean, I guess you played the video game, so you were expecting it. But for me, it was just like, oh, he meets this character who'll be like sort of important to this one story. Okay. And then when they, they get together at the end and it's really meaningful, I like wasn't expecting it, but I was really into it. And uh, it, it made me really excited about Yennefer sort of like at the last minute, like she hadn't been in there previously. Yeah, yeah, I like when I like seeing their meeting where she's having like she's putting on this orgy for all the rich people in uh, town, and he's just sitting there and bringing her some uh, apple cider. And you, you you've been waiting for. Well, I of course I expected it for a while, and I know that it's a, and I know the trials and tribulations uh, that they go through. But I really like the story, The Last Wish, and I think the show might do the best job of making Geralt not look like a complete asshole <laughs> for his decision. Because the way the book makes it sound, it makes it sound like very kind of creepy and almost removing her consent. In the show, it seems like he made a wish and he didn't, wasn't as careful with the wording of it as oh, he should have been. He's like, because at the moment of, he's making the wish, he thinks that Yennefer is going to die. And he's just mad at her, and he's, he feels like he's falling in love with her. And he says, and, he ma- and the witch we ultimately find out is, I don't want to lose her. Which has the implication, possibly, that she will never, she has no choice but to be with him for the rest of her life. In the video game, at least from what I remember, and I think the book, it's more like explicit where Geralt is like, 
kind of uh, manipulating her, but also she's been manipulating him too. Like I think the lilac and gooseberries is like a form of like mind control that she <laughs> uses, a subtle mind control she uses on him. But it's a messy coupling. But I think the show makes it a little bit less creepy from Geralt's part. Yeah, that's a good point. I think part of why I like that story and episode so much is sort of that premise it starts out with uh, where they think Jaskier has the wishes, but actually Geralt has the wishes. I felt like that was sort of the most like strong sort of like goofy plot that could have been in like a Buffy or like a Supernatural yes. some, like CW <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very CW ish i was i was low-key hoping my wish was that the wish would just be straight up a cw show more, or less. <laughs> yeah. more or less, i think they they did they had some of those moments i could actually use for a bit more i do like that it looks a little bit more prestige than mm-hmm. the average uh, cw show i think that works for the witcher but yeah it, it has some goofy stuff i wish i hope season two has a bit more of the villain villain goof off of the week now that we've met the characters we've got the backstories give us two or three episodes where they're just you know swapping bodies or something yeah like that, you know <laughs> which is perfectly reasonable in the world i and is worth mentioning which are the world building in which is so good when it comes to all the magic and the supernatural and the gods and the goddesses because Geralt, since you're doing it from the perspective of Geralt, all of that shit is just work it's just science. It's just numbers to him. Yeah, it may see, you, yeah, sacrificing a virgin on the full moon, like that's just a recipe, you know? It's yeah. no, there's nothing, it's, it's, there's nothing truly super natural. It's, well, I would say there's nothing that you couldn't, in theory, understand. Someone could, maybe not all humans, but someone could, in theory, learn all this stuff because there are rules that all this stuff operates from. And I think that's the best way to tell when he's because it, it, it allows you to still believe in it like there's you can't just do everything willy-nilly there's a lot it, it really reminds me of next generation a lot actually uh, yeah. every time they're explaining magic it's like when you're using this, the tech jargon in the next generation where you know we're we're making it up but we're at least playing by some sort of rules or at least pretending to and it gets me more invested in the show in the show than a show similar to it that just doesn't take that time to explain like why this doesn't work why that doesn't work magic the just the very fact that everything Jennifer every spell Jennifer tries doesn't work makes this show just so much more interesting because any other show the magicians just throw up throw their hands in the air the spell works it does whatever they need it to do yeah and I think it also works really well because um Geralt and Yennefer uh, at this point have so much knowledge that we haven't seen. Um, so, you know, they don't have to inlet, do like a Buffy or a Charmed where they would have to like research everything every uh, time. Yeah. You can have them be like, oh, I know. I know what yeah. to do in this situation. Yeah. Geralt just like grunts. <laughs> <laughs> a night wraith. We're going to have to burn some dan- daffodils. <laughs> At dusk, <laughs> and the, sh- the book does a really good job. He's just—he's so cynical 
in so much more cynical in the book in than even the video game where he's mostly just saying actually most of those mythical creatures don't exist it's yeah. all bullshit none of it works i'm probably gonna die that way and you won't have to pay me um mm-hmm. you know and he, and he you get the witcher at the end the witcher at the end of the days like this is not the story of the first witcher this is the story more or less of the last one and of a way of life that's going away he's not some noble samurai on this mission he's just some guy trying who can barely make ends meet and has to con and lie his way to do it in the first episode um uh where he killed um I don't know if it's in the book. It might be in the book where he kills the vampire and he brings it to the tower, the wizard. And it's like, oh, I you know he brings it to the town. And he says, oh, I killed this uh, four miles outside of town when he's fucking lying because he killed it like three days ago. <laughs> and he's trying to con these people <laughs> and to pay him some money for this uh, day. I think Kikomura uh, is it. And there's just no nobility in it. And he doesn't even himself believe in continuing the witcher line so he just has this completely demystified view of the world where it's like no i'm not a chosen one because i'm the witcher there's no such thing as choice the world is hell what the fuck are you talking about all these gods none of these gods exist or if they do well maybe some of them do but they're fucking assholes so it doesn't matter like he just had and it completely it allows me to buy into this show as you know a non-believer who doesn't want to buy into this fantasy meaning you know like this supernatural fantasy narrative is it, it does feel like the real world mm-hmm. and even though it has all this magic stuff happening it still feels real yeah i always really enjoy that when there's like someone who's like in this world but their main concern is still like money for groceries and i feel like stuff doesn't like pull that off uh that often like they tried to do it on like angel for a little bit and then sort of mm. like swerved yeah well first <laughs> i know they try to do it on buff they try to do it on buffy sometimes too every so often you got a oh i'm poor uh episode but it was <laughs> I, I feel like it was mostly written by people who were never poor <laughs> and then it went away after the problem went away after an episode but with the witcher it's a constant thing you you always are scrapped for cash uh you need to work for a living and it is work you if hey the hey a werewolf is eating up the villagers how much can you pay me nothing well see you see you around Geralt does Geralt's not a knight errant he says on specifically in the show I think I'm not a knight errant going around helping people I'm also not a hired assassin I won't do anything for money but if I'm doing it I'm doing it for money um yeah I was just looking at the the development section on the Wikipedia and it's interesting. It said that uh, the Witcher was going to be adapted into a standalone film. And then someone at Netflix was like, why would you take eight books and turn them into a film? Like there's so much here <laughs> for a long running series. Yeah. I hope they keep it going. Cause especially at least at this level of quality, because I mean, there's so much there. It could go on forever. And Really, I think the source material is stronger than something like Game of Thrones. You know, I really do think this show has like it has character has characters you can root for, identify with, bunch of villain bad guys you hate, has themes that resonate and are actually about like the real world and are consistent too. 
and meaningful and i i just am blown away every time i dive in uh to the witcher i'm just like i'm very excited for season two i'm excited for the anime that's about to come out almost everything witcher is good just because it has such a solid foundation yeah and i think it lends itself well to a netflix to the netflix model in a way that a lot of stories don't where you could have like a season every three years even every five years and it'd be okay whereas like there are so many netflix shows where by the time the next season comes out i'm like where did we leave off like what's happening but the witcher because you're just like dropping into this world it always works yeah you can jump ahead so so far so fast uh in this show it's not really beholden to anything and you could i mean you could just i mean this could go on forever you could even go past you know Geralt. you Mm -hmm. could go past siri uh, if you really wanted to, because there's, th- it, there's no ending and there's no you know defined begin. I think they were talking about doing a prequel, too. But there's just so much stuff in it, and he pulls, you know, in this original book, he pulls so much. It's so it's Conan, it's King Arthur, it's fairy tales, like even like straight up like Disney, even like mm-hmm. the Disney five versions of them. It's mythology, it's horror, lots of horror. I mean, he brings in all these vampires and stuff. And, uh, you know, cryptids. It's all these things put together in a way that never feels silly because it's put together in a way where, like, people still have to pay rent. (laughs) Like, just the simple fact that you, you still have to pay rent and go to work and it does, like... A vampire, a vampire might be on the side of your town, but like you can't drop everything to kill them. You have to pay a professional, and if you can't afford it, people are just going to keep dying. <laughs> and there's wars sweeping through that you don't understand the reason for. No one does, but people are dying because of the whims of these leaders who don't care about them, and all that themselves are just, you know, the uh, feckless uh, buffoons. Or these, you know, are like Queen Calantha, who who we love. We love ourselves a warrior queen, a warrior queen. But she's going, as uh, someone says to her, she's just going around slaughtering peasants, <laughs> putting on her golden armor to slaughter peasants. Like, what's what's there to be proud of? Yeah. Um, all right. Did you have any other big points you wanted to get to, or we could uh, get into rate, rating them? Uh, no, I just, I, I mean, I really just think that The Witcher is really worth your time. Most people don't skip the first game. I actually haven't played the first game. The Witcher 2, you can play on your Xbox uh, or PC. Witcher 3, it's on all the systems, even the Switch now. Really worth your time anytime if you can get a hold of any of them. So if you like the show, if you like, and you like, because it's really, most people think it's just an action game and there's a lot of action, but it really is like, a dating sim too not necessarily <laughs> dating sim but a social sim uh, where you're navigating relationships the same way Geralt does and every conversation has you know pivotal consequences for you the life of your friends you know maybe whole kingdoms cool alright um, so let's rate them I I think I'm going to give the book a 3.5. It's just a really solid, uh, I think, fantasy book of just, like, a cool guy doing cool guy stuff. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the book, I'd probably give a 4 out of 5. And for what it's trying to accomplish, it's a 
a five out of five. Like mm-hmm. you're you just you can't make this type. I don't think you can make a better type of this better version of this type of book. I, I, I really don't know how what how much better you could get this type of thing. So four out of five on the whole, but it not it, it nailed what it was trying to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. And then I think the show I would give a three. Uh, I really liked it. I really liked the Geralt parts the best. Um, I think the Siri parts lost me a little bit at first. Probably when I rewatch it, I'll like those better because there was kind of a while of like not knowing their significance. But uh, I think like for now, until I rewatch it, I would give it a solid three. Show, hmm. I, I really there's some moments of the show that I thought were absolutely amazing, but I I think. Hmm. I, I, I loved a lot of it, but I, I do imagine I can't always see a better version of the show, sadly, in my head. Something with a little bit more pop, a little bit more zing, a little bit more star power, more chrono- more confident storytelling where they are confident that they can tell this, do this, do it chronologically hmm. without, you know, going into the, the two timeline thing. So I probably give the sh- I probably give the show four out of five still because i still like it almost better than anything else i've seen on uh tv recently i might even go up i mean i could see me going up to four and a half depending if on a rewatch you know because i have the book in my mind so i had i do see i do have a a different you know i'm going in expecting the world when it's trying just to just deliver me a Netflix TV show. <laughs> but before a Netflix TV show, yeah, for a Netflix TV show, it's probably five out of five. This is probably the best Netflix show I've seen. I don't really think I've liked any this much. Even something like Man, um, Mindhunter, which is basically made for me, <laughs> I like this a lot better. Um, so, like, to end with a recommendation, uh, since I liked the book better, I will recommend a show. Uh, I'm going to recommend Supernatural as just sort of the obvious, like, if you like watching physically perfect guys kill monsters, uh, that's a good show about that. Um, And then uh, since you're rating for the book and show, we're pretty close. I guess you can recommend either one, whatever you get. Well, I'll recommend a book. I'll recommend another fantasy book. Now, this is one I haven't finished, but I've gotten into, and I've gotten so many recommendations for it. I'm fairly confident that if you're interested in The Witcher or Game of Thrones and you haven't checked out this book, uh, you'll probably like it. And it's called The Blade Itself by Joe Abercrombie. And I'm not a big fantasy guy, but this one kind of hooked me. I haven't finished it yet. Just got a lot on my plate with Struggle Session. Patreon.com slash Struggle Session. We cover (laughs) a lot of different things. Um, But this one is pretty pretty good. People told me... uh, because I, I tried to read Game of Thrones, couldn't get into it, but people were oh, like, wow. no, 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 you can get into this one. And I think they're right about that. So okay. once you're done with The Witchers, check out The Blade Itself by Joe Abercrombie. Nice. Um, all right. Thank you for joining me. Do you want to do some plugs? Oh, yeah. Please just check it out us out at patreon.com slash struggle session. We have tons of bonus episodes up there, including one with Lenny, where we talked about Halt and Catch Fire. We, we've, we've done several TV shows, several movies. We talk about the intersection of culture and uh, of pop culture and politics and, you know, how those affect our world and our outlook. And I really am so glad you asked me to watch The Witcher because I, I did not 
realize you know, just how good the politics are because the book the it, you, it come ac- across in the games but the book is really explicit about like this is about class this is a this is about socialism this is about <laughs> capitalism and i really uh and that's what we like to cover on struggle session how these two things overlap nice all right well Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, at Lenny Burnham. Uh, Thank you, Leslie, again, for being here. This is so good. And yeah, everybody go, go watch and read The Witcher.